We all want some level of safety and security. Firefighters, construction workers, EMT. They're all there when you need them to help manage life's chaos. In retirement, you want that same level of safety, but who is there for you to make sure your money will last? Brian isn't just there in case of emergency. He's there so you don't have an emergency with your money. A safer retirement doesn't mean a boring retirement, but a prepared one full of the things that inspire you. This is Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker. Welcome in to Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Brad Geddes of Decker Retirement Planning. I'm Mark Kelly. Glad you're with us today. You can always go to the website to learn more about Brian and the team, Brad and the team. It's DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. And I say this every week, and it's really just for your own information. Uh, under the heading of Safer Retirement Education on the website, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, under the heading of Safer Retirement Education, there are 12 different things you can download, including Brian's book on retirement, The Decker Approach, The Three Principles of Retirement Book, Checklist Challenge, Sample Income Plan. Those are just four of the 12 things, and they're all there just for your information there is no cost, no obligation or anything. Brian and the team have put that out there just for you to learn a little bit more about some of the questions and concerns you may have about retirement. Again, it's DeckerRetirementPlanning.com under the heading of Safer Retirement Education. So, Brian, you and Brad ready to go today. You're going to talk about a lot of different things. Uh, you're going to talk tax and estate planning strategies today. Uh, where are you going to start? Let's start with a strategy that gets rid of capital gains tax. Um, Brad, this is huge because we've had a big run-up in the market since 2008. Yeah, last year we were down a little bit, but Brad, there's in San Francisco, in Seattle markets where we are, in Salt Lake, there's a lot of people who bought Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Netflix, gosh, Facebook, um, so many stocks, and they've held them for 10 plus years and they've got huge capital gains. What are their options? Yeah, I mean, there's there's not a ton of options when it comes to capital gains. There are definitely some trust structures that you can use, but um, you know, one of the ways that I always tell clients that want to just hold on to an asset that they feel like they can't sell because of capital gains is they can wait for that asset to lose half of its value and they'll cut their capital gains in half. And I always make sure they know that that's, that's a joke uh, because there actually are things you can do to take control of your tech capital gains bill. Um, and you know, one of those is there's really neat trust structures out there that you can use to shield uh, any asset sale from capital gains. Um, and trust structures are usually, these these trust structures are usually charitably oriented, but um, the ones that I'm an advocate for uh, allow clients to still get economic benefit from that trust. So uh, you can sell the asset, within that trust framework, not incur any capital gains. So you keep the full principle within your portfolio. Uh, you get annual income from it. And uh, you can even do uh, other things with those trust structures to get the assets to kids in the future, but all along the way, uh, looking to reduce your exposure to an asset class that would have otherwise uh, caused a, some heartache over the capital gains burden. Let's get more granular, Brad. This strategy is intriguing to a lot of people. So let's say that I'm your client. I've got. Uh, I bought Amazon 20 years ago. Um, it's worth four million dollars. I've got a hundred grand in it. Um, I'm looking at a massive capital gain. Um, so step one is to uh, move this out of your estate, right, and and uh, into a 501c3. And take me take me step by step. Yeah. So 
step one is to, um, I think it starts with getting a financial plan underway. So you got to know, you don't do your entire portfolio into um, like a, a tax strategy like this. You want to figure out what the right amount is to go in there. So step one is you got to do a little bit of planning here to devise the right portfolio structure. But let's say that we did land on you know, something that uh, we're looking to get in place to help shield against capital gains. Well, um, what you first do is you you set up the trust so that the trust is is established in such a way where it's built off of some actuarial math uh, based on your lifetime or maybe a second to die lifetime, and um, you transfer the assets from a from a non qualified or after tax account and you put that into this newly formed um, charitable entity that you can then uh, hold the assets in. There. And, and at that point, when you did decide to, that it was the right time to liquidate the assets, you don't have to per se, you can always hold on to them if you'd like. But if it was the right time to sell the asset, then um, you can do that without uh, incurring any taxes. So establish a trust, fund it with the low cost basis assets. And then from there, you proceed with uh, the next steps. And Brad, you get a massive uh charitable deduction that you can use, right? And some people use that for, and again, you've got to have a template. You've got to know how to properly use it. We're a math-based firm, so we use our distribution plan so that clients can do tax planning on their retirement plan. I love that. But you get this massive um, charitable deduction. Clients can use it to offset income or move money from an IRA to a Roth or um Anyhow, they, they've got options there, right? And then talk to the radio audience about how that is going to be a, a taxable income stream coming back. You put X outside of your estate. You, the idea is to draw three, four, five X back into your estate. Uh, and that's a taxable income stream coming back into your estate, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you just depends on how you want to use it. I, I do like what you said about the tax write-off, because lots of times if someone is just looking to hold on to this asset simply to avoid capital gains in their lifetime, they're going to miss out on an opportunity to get uh, the tax write-offs that are going to follow that account when they die. Uh, and so I, I definitely like that you can expedite or, or get the benefit for what you're eventually going to be donating to charity down the road um, while you're alive. Now, it, there's some questions there people have if they have kids or grandkids, but we can tackle that separately. But yeah, as you as you get the funds uh, into uh, you know the right trust structure here, you do end up getting a pretty good sized tax write off. You have to use it within a certain amount of time. It's uh, several years, but um, yeah, I mean here at, at our firm, it's it's a really good opportunity to marry that up with um, other tax planning tactics that we do, such as like a Roth conversion, which I'm pretty sure we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but yeah, and if you look at it from a holistic planning perspective, um, that holistic plan informs uh, what your taxes are going to be across different income streams. So uh, it does become a good opportunity to, to mesh that, uh, that charitable structure to avoid capital gains with the rest of your portfolio income. Now, Brad, there's a, a pet peeve of mine. They People pay their advisor fees uh, and they are expecting good advice. The thing that I rarely see, Brad, and I want you to talk about is end of year tax loss harvesting to get these capital gains under control. If people did tax loss harvesting for 10 years, we wouldn't see the out of control capital gains exposure. So talk to the radio audience about what that is and how we do it. 
Yeah. And so and when you're doing an efficiently managed portfolio, you're always paying attention to what is in a, uh, a position of loss, in which case you can get a write-off against your taxes, uh, or in a gain. And the gain, you're tending to just accumulate long-term capital gains. Now, uh, when you're doing tax loss harvesting, what you're trying to accomplish is neutralizing the impact of any capital gains on your tax bill. So if you have a winner, a winning position, and you're looking to do some rebalancing of that portfolio, um, you can sell the ones that have done well over the period of time that you've been holding it, whether it's long-term or short-term capital gains, and you can match that with a position that over a similar time frame, whether it's long or short uh, capital gains, to not pay any capital gains uh, on the position that you won in. So you take those losses and, and offset them with the gains. And that way, if you're doing it right along uh, through throughout your the life of the portfolio, you end up in a position where you're not bound to an asset just because it has a runaway capital gain. Now, that said, I think, as you mentioned earlier, Brian, I mean, you've probably seen this a lot over the last 14 years as markets pretty much were up and to the right, correct? I mean, there really wasn't much opportunity for tax loss harvesting in some of those years that just compounded on one another. Yeah, but during that 14 years, Brad, we had opportunities like in COVID when you got these drops and the people that are astute and ready and nimble are looking for losses to offset, to keep capital gains down. But you did a beautiful job describing tax loss harvesting. One last thing, Brad, we talked about options for capital gain. One option is to pay the capital gain, but those capital gains are expected to change quite a bit between now and January 1, 2026. Give us a little more information on that. Yeah, I mean, that is that is one thing that I, I do try to walk clients through. I mean, when there, there's a point in your life where the asset has done well enough and it's it's capital gains taxes is one of the only ones that I love to pay because it means that you did well. Uh, it's it's a tax for doing well as an investor. And if you plan to use the asset in your lifetime, you want to make sure you don't have that tax tail wagging the dog. Uh, like I said before, if you want to pay less in capital gains, but don't change anything about your portfolio, like the trust structure, uh, that we were talking about earlier, the, the only way is to wait for the asset to lose value. Um, the other one that I explain to folks when it comes to their capital gain, it's it, it, everyone thinks that there's some magic way to, to avoid their capital gains or, oh, I don't want to pay capital gains now because it's uh, I'll just pay it down the road. I want to keep that compounding. But if your capital gain bill is, let's say you have $100,000 and you could pay 15,000 capital gains on the asset, because uh, let's just say you somehow magically got it completely tax-free uh, or completely zero cost basis and capital gains is 15 grand. Well, if that portfolio doubles to 200,000, you just have a capital gain of $30,000. There's there's no getting away from capital gains altogether. And uh, in some cases, it just makes sense. Uh, you don't want the tax to dictate your investment strategy if there's something that's either run its course or is uh, either not matching up with your goals or maybe even inappropriate for the stage of life that you're in, don't let avoiding taxes be the reason you hold on to an asset that you wouldn't otherwise retain. It's uh, Brian, I like easy to look at it with open eyes. I like to see the look on people's face when sarcastically we'd look at them and say, you know, I've got a good tax strategy for you. If you don't want to pay any capital gains right now because they're so high, let's wait for the stock market to crush your stock, cut it in half. And then when it's down, let's sell it to lower your capital gains. And people look at us like we've got three eyes. They go, well, that's stupid. And we go, yes, 
it's much smarter to sell it when it's high. So at our firm, we want to minimize every tax possible with the exception of non-qual capital gains because we want to maximize your after-tax, after your capital gains tax uh, gain. And so a lot of people like Microsoft, we, we lived in Microsoft country for 40 years in Redmond, Washington, and Microsoft peaked in November of 1999 and was flat for 12 years. Who wouldn't want to sell it uh, at its peak and then go back and use those funds for gains during that period and then uh, maybe buy the stock back later on after it's gone down? That stock went from 62 to 18, Brad. I'll never forget that in 2001 and 2002. Um, okay, Brad, how many times do you see people that don't want to pay the capital gain, but they want more income in their retirement? How do you solve that? Yeah, that's one of the hardest things is, is it's exactly the scenario you were saying where they're letting that tax tail wag the dog. They want income, they want the benefit of these assets, but they don't want to do anything about it. They don't want to actually liquidate the holding that incurs a capital gain. Um, I mean, that's just really where you got to pay close, close attention to uh, what are you letting drive your investment portfolio. If you need a source of income or if you just want a source of income because you saved this money, you got to be comfortable with the fact that when you do well as an investor, you're going to have capital gains. And um, so, yeah, I think it's it's just you got to be really clear. And that's where the holistic plan comes into play, right? If, if you know what your portfolio can sustain, you know, where you should draw it at different stages of your life. You've, uh, you can very mathematically and, and logically end up with some recommendations that uh, help you understand why it's important to either retain or sell an asset. And you should be able to go into that knowing what uh, the, 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 any tax, if any, um, you're going to incur for that. So if you have any questions about any of this, you're like, hmm, that's an interesting conversation that Brian and Brad are having. I would like to learn more about how this affects me, capital gains, taxes, all these moving parts that I'm not sure I have a handle on it like they do. I would like to take advantage of the knowledge of Decker Retirement. Great opportunity for you because there's no cost to you. There's no obligation. There's no pressure. It's 833-707-3030 is the number. And if they don't answer because they're on another line or it's the weekend, maybe, and they're just not there, uh, leave a message. They'll get back to you on Monday uh, as soon as they can. But the idea is you've called because you have a reason to call. Leave a message if the phone is not answered. They might answer it, but if they don't, just leave a message. 833-707-3030. Time is kind of of the utmost. You think about taxes changing in 2026. What can you be doing now, uh, between now and then, to put yourself in a better position? 833-707-3030. More of Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Brad Geddes of Decker Retirement Planning right after this. Just as the seasons come and go, so too do the markets ebb and flow. If market volatility is making you nervous, give Brian a call and make sure you're not taking on more risk than you're comfortable with. 833-707-3030. That's 833-707-3030. Decker Retirement Planning has a question for you. Is your retirement inflation-proofed? 
Here's what we mean. In retirement, chances are you're on a fixed income with variable expenses. So how do you not run out of money when the cost of just about everything continues to go up? You inflation-proof it. Brian Decker and the team at Decker Retirement Planning can show you strategies to help combat inflation so it doesn't outpace your retirement income. Call Brian Decker today at 833-707-3030 to learn more. Inflation could take a huge chunk out of your retirement savings, but it doesn't have to. With some simple planning, inflation can go from being a major disruption to a minor annoyance. Call Brian and the team at Decker Retirement Planning now to start inflation-proofing your retirement today at 833-707-3030. 833-707-3030. Investing involves risk. Security and insurance services offered by Decker Retirement Planning, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. You're listening to Safer Retirement Radio. If you like what you hear on today's show or have questions, drop by DeckerRetirementPlanning.com or call 833-707-3030 to talk to Brian. Welcome back to Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Brad Geddes of Decker Retirement Planning. I'm Mark Elliott. Again, you can always go to the website to learn more, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. Brian has offices in Washington, in California, in Utah, and they're all here to help you come up with that plan, that strategy for your retirement. A safer retirement process basically focuses on income planning. You've got to replace the paychecks that are no longer coming in. And then when you get to retirement, we're not in the accumulation phase anymore. Now we're in the distribution phase. So it's all about that time frame in your life. You want to learn more? Give the team a call. 833-707-3030. No cost for this. 833-707-3030. We're talking right now about tax strategies. We're going to get into estate planning strategies as well today on the program. But I know, Brian, during the break, you were talking to Brad. Hey, let's get into the Roth uh, transition period a little bit. Roth sounds great because it's tax-free, but not everybody should probably move into the Roth world. There's strategies and timing factors, I suppose. And Mark, we're a math-based firm. We know how much to convert each year. We're going to be talking in granular detail about the Roth conversion strategy right now. Uh, And Brad, you chime in on this. I think quantitatively, as far as dollar amount taxes saved, the capital gain strategy we just talked about last segment is probably number one, but the Roth conversion strategy is easily the most widespread, biggest tax saving strategy available for most people. Um, and, And so let's dive into this. The Roth is beautiful because it grows tax-free, it distributes income back to you tax-free, it passes to your beneficiaries tax-free. Brad, do you know the numbers by heart? I bet you do. Of the 60-year-old with a million-dollar IRA, it grows 6% a year at age 72. Um, Dutifully, they pay their required minimum distributions. Um, We killed him off at age 90. Do you remember the taxes he paid in his life? And then he sent that over to beneficiaries, uh, the taxes they paid, total taxes, and then compare that with the Roth. I want to go there first. Do you know those numbers? Yeah, I, I know generally what you're talking about. I mean, it's it's a mass, it's a matter of, of how much are they using in their lifetime, and, and especially when they just follow uh, what the IRS makes them pay um, over the course of their lifetime uh, bit through those RMDs that everyone's going to have to pay. And what I think you're referencing is just a classic 
case study there where someone has a million dollars, they're growing their portfolio. It doubles by the, the portfolio is doubled in size by the time they have to take their required distributions. And uh, based on it was last year's tax table that we were looking at, but they actually had to start at age 72 for those distributions. And cumulatively, they were going to pay something like on a million dollars starting value, they were going to owe somebody thing or just shy of $700,000 of total taxes. And that's if they continued with an RMD schedule through age 90. Um, and with a Roth conversion, uh, you'd save a boatload there. I've got the numbers in front of me. Um, $670,000 sending in his lifetime, growing the IRA from for 30 years at 6% a year, and then they pass it over, and with the Secure Act, they're required ten years to pay the rest of the taxes. Another seven hundred nineteen, almost, uh, actually six hundred seventy thousand in his life, seven hundred twenty in the other lifetime. Almost one point four million in taxes if you do it that way. That's the way most people do it. A total, if you do a Roth conversion where you're pretty aggressive, you go 200, 200, 200,000, you pay the tax, have it grow tax-free, and then 50,000 a year, so that at age 72, there's no IRA left. That, and you pay the tax, it's, it's, st it's still the same million-dollar IRA growing 6% a year. That person saves almost 1.1 million in taxes and the person who took the RMD route, the required minimum distribution route, um, is passing only 1.2 million net of tax to his kids. The person that did the Roth conversion is sending 4.1 million over to his kids. The difference in taxes paid in that period, 30 years, is almost 1.1 million in taxes saved, and the amount sent over to his kids is almost 4x. So it's just stunning for for people to understand how inefficient the IRA is. Uh, Congress and the IRS loves the IRA and the required minimum distributions. So again, it's 833-707-3030 if you'd like to learn more about this Roth strategy. Because one of the things that you guys talk about, 833-707-3030, is that the Roth strategy, like when you present it like that, I'm like, well, why in the world would not everybody do that? Why is the Roth conversion strategy not right for some, but it's right for most maybe? Good question. So Brad, you dive into how much to convert and what kind of accounts that the Roth uh, should be in and shouldn't be in. Sure, sure, sure. So you know, there's two other reasons why I think converting from an IRA to a Roth IRA is so important. Um, the, the, the first one, is that those those RMDs that that passive approach where you just sit back and do what your advisor says, which is you just take that required amount every year when you get that tax bill in November, December. Um, but one thing that that doesn't that people don't always understand when they don't intimately understand what the amount of their RMD is by the time they get to their 80s, those RMDs are doubling. And so you, while you might be able to spend the amount that you are forced to draw when you're 73 years old, by the time you get to your 80s, um, a lot of people that I work with, that RMD is much larger than they need uh, to cover their annual income. And that's really what we're trying to avoid here. So we'll get to how that gets built into how much you convert and when it's appropriate, when it's not appropriate. The other thing that I always make sure um, my, my clients that are married understand 
is that their tax situation is going to shift in the future because it's very likely, extremely likely that one spouse is going to outlive the other spouse. And let's say that happens in their late 80s. Well, it's going to be a pretty sad day when one of them passes away and the other spouse is left. And but it's also going to be one of their, you know, it'll be their worst tax day of their lifetime as well, because they have to move from being married filing jointly to a single filer. Uh, and this is another big reason why people that are married um, ought to be really seriously considering this Roth conversion strategy, because that known tax hit that they're going to have down the road when their tax bracket goes up, simply because one of their spouses passed away. I just want to keep that one in mind. Any comments on that one, Brian? Have you thought about it that way before? Yeah, no, Brad, that's huge to to keep that in mind, along with the heartbreaking loss of a spouse, a single filer, it's going to be in a much higher tax bracket. Much higher tax bracket, right. Go through and talk about headroom. Yeah, so that's where, uh, that, that's what I think that scenario with a spouse that passes away helps um, identify why this headroom is important. It's because within your tax bracket, every year that you file, you'll eventually get to a point where you're in what a CPA might call like an acceptable tax bracket. Like, let's say you're you're going to be, you're for the foreseeable future, you're not going to go above the 24% bracket federally. Well, the amount of room then you have from your current taxable income at any given month um, uh, with uh, the amount of room from, when you look at your total taxable income for uh, the year, there's going to be an upper band, an upper limit to where you'll be into the next tax bracket. And that headroom from your current income tax level to the top of that headroom, top of that band, um, is what we call headroom. And that headroom is how much you could productively convert from an IRA to a Roth IRA. And the reason I keep it fairly loose when I say the acceptable tax bracket is because there's, you know, you, you could argue that, oh, I'm in the 22% bracket, but uh, so there's no way I'd want to convert all the way up to the 24% bracket. But that said, when you take into account things like you know, things like uh, spousal continuation or perhaps R&Ds growing and doubling by the time you get to your 80s, you could reasonably make an argument to push all the way into the 24% bracket to do some rather large conversions early on. So yeah, you just want to usually towards the end of the year, maybe November, early December, you want to look at what your taxable income is for the year and look at how much headroom you have um, before you get to the top of that current tax bracket. And that's the amount that you should think about uh, converting from an IRA to a Roth IRA. Uh, let me say what you just said uh, real quickly, Brad, you're converting IRA to Roth and keeping people in the same marginal tax bracket. That's awesome. Now in 30 seconds, how what kind of accounts are Roth accounts appropriate for and what are they not appropriate for? Um, I mean, you, you convert from a tax deferred asset to a tax free asset. Um, and usually you wanna set up the resulting investment strategy to be invested for the long haul um, because you want, uh, the idea here is that you have a tax-free Roth IRA growing and compounding for as long as possible. So you wouldn't want to do a conversion from an IRA to a Roth IRA on funds that you're just going to be spending the next year. And that doesn't really accomplish much. So typically want to tie it to a longer portion of your portfolio. So if you have any questions about this, and, and it really is interesting, I think we all like the idea because there's tax-deferred IRA and 401ks, right? There's taxable paychecks. There's tax-free moving into the Roth world. And there's a strategy involved with Brian and Brad and the team at Decker Retirement walk through that if you had a million dollars, you're not going to move it all and pay taxes on it in one year. I suppose you could, but that's probably not the most efficient way to do it. Everybody's situation is unique, and that's how the team at Decker Retirement looks at it. You want to learn more? Just give them a call. They're here to help if they can. 833-707-3030 is the number again. No cost, no obligation. 
Brian, Brad, and the team, they're here to help. They'd love to. 833-707-3030. We're talking tax and estate planning strategies today on Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Brad Geddes of Decker Retirement Planning. More to get to right after this. Excited for retirement? All that daydreaming can be time-consuming enough as it is. So why not get a little help with your retirement planning? Call Brian at 833-707-2020 and see where you stand in retirement. Glad you're with us today for Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Brad Geddes of Decker Retirement Planning. You can always go to the website to learn more. Plus, under the heading of Safer Retirement Education, there's a dozen different things you can download, including Brian's book on retirement, the Decker Approach Book, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. Find out more about Brian and the team. Uh, it's really a great website. A lot of information there, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. There's a lot of categories covered on the website as well, uh, besides those 12 things you can download for no cost to you. DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. 833-707-3030. If you have questions, we're talking tax and estate planning strategies today. Boy, should I take all my money and move it into the Roth world? Pay taxes now so I don't have to pay it later. There, there's just a lot of moving parts here. Brad and, and Brian are talking all about that today. 833-707-3030 if you'd like to see if it makes sense for you to use some of these strategies. Remember, everybody's situation is unique to them. So, Brian, there you go. Back to you. Okay, so let's just button up a couple of things. I hope that anyone listening to our voices right now jots a note that it's a, a tragedy to see a calendar year come and go without doing tax loss harvesting and without doing the calculation of the headroom that you have to stay in your marginal tax bracket and do the Roth conversion from IRA to Roth. Also, you need to know with the template of a distribution plan, which we have, how much is enough there's a certain point where you don't want to have your Roth accounts in your shorter term accounts or your liquid accounts or your principal guaranteed accounts that aren't growing fast enough to really merit paying the the, the marginal rate plus this, the tax uh, for the state. It doesn't make sense. It makes sense to us to just do the growth accounts because once you convert an IRA to a Roth, you have five years, you cannot touch that account uh, for for income. So that's that's going to be important. Um, Brad, now let's jump into a tax, a principal guaranteed account that with municipal bonds, AAA and insured earning about four, four and a half right now. Um, this is earning about 70% above that rate. It's principal guaranteed. Um, it has a place in certain portfolios um, it's just a very high returning principal guaranteed tax-free income stream. Give us some details on that. So when we're talking tax-free sources of income, um, it gets us down the path of what I like to do, which is come up with different groups of assets that I have control over in advising people on how they distribute funds from various portions of their portfolio. And I like to have a diverse set of options there. So we just covered Quite a bit of detail on uh, the capital gains side. You know, there's capital gains, which is a fairly low rate, but it is still taxes. You have the taxable sources of income where you're getting annual tax bills like 1099s. Um, you also have the tax deferred IRAs, and you have those Roth conversions that you can use to build up a tax resource of income. But as Brian said, you don't usually want to use that until later on. Um, this uh, tax-free income stream is actually quite useful. Um, what I usually tell people is that. 
maybe one in 20 is, is uh, how many people it'll apply for. But when it works, it works extremely well um, because what it is, is tax-free source of income, usually with some sort of a life insurance structure around it. Um, and it takes advantage of IRS tax code that treats uh, cash value life insurance policies with a different tax uh, requirement than just normal IRAs or normal after-tax assets. And what I like about um, this structure is that it sort of acts like a Roth IRA in that you can front load it with after-tax assets and turn it into a tax-free source of growth, all right? And that way it acts like a Roth or an IRA because all the growth is completely tax-free. And then in the future, when the policy is fully mature, uh, you're actually able to do distributions from the account without any taxes at all. Now, there's a ton of flexibility in here on how it's invested, uh, when it's used, how it's used. There's additional benefits for things like long-term care writers and things. But in the, from, from the way that I'd recommend that this get used is treated as just a tax-free source of income uh, down the road. And Brad, when it comes to this tax-free income stream, um, we're talking net of fee returns of over 7%. Uh, right now in today's uh, interest rate scenario, that's still very high. And there's 30 probably, is it 30 or 32 trillion reasons why that tax-free income stream is golden? Because it doesn't look like anyone in Washington is interested in cutting down the deficit. So what they are talking about is not cutting spending. They're talking about raising taxes. Joe Biden's talked about doubling the capital gains rate um, and raising taxes on 400,000 plus. Um, that probably won't get through to, uh, today's current Congress. But uh, once the tax rates change in January 1, 2026, the expectation is with the deficit where it is that across the board, there's going to be tax increases. So Brad, that makes this tax-free income stream even more valuable. So in the planning that you do, you've created a Roth conversion for tax-free growth, tax-free income, and passes to your beneficiaries tax-free. Then we talked about this other instrument that we you just talked about, tax-free growth, tax-free income, passes to your beneficiaries tax-free. Now let's talk about, Brad, let's say that, and we do, we have a lot of clients that have a portfolio of rental real estate. And we know a little trick on how to convert the taxable rental income stream to become a tax-free income stream. Talk to me about that strategy. Yeah. So what you're talking about there is uh, it's a pretty neat one uh, that I've just found is completely underutilized by uh, CPAs. You know, it's when you first buy a rental property, you're pretty well, uh, pretty well educated on something called depreciation. And it's a way for you to reflect the fact that there are some costs that come about over the course of owning a property that you can net against the cash flow. Now that depreciation schedule is usually over a fixed term, 27 years, 29 years, depending on the property type. And you just do equal uh, depreciation uh, amounts each year to net against your income. Well, when you do a cost segregation study, what you accomplish is a front loading of those uh, those uh, front loading of the depreciation that the property is going to have uh, faster than 27 or 29 years. Now, the ideal time for a cost segregation study is when you just bought the property. So it's something you, it's really best implemented when you're thinking about evaluate or purchasing the property and then you end up buying it 
uh, and you, you want to get this done right away. So it can be right at the beginning of that depreciation schedule. But front load uh, the portion of the property. It could be 25, 30, 35% to the value of the property. And you now get to depreciate that uh, on in a much more accelerated way. It could be done. That 30% of the property value could be depreciated within five years. And every dollar of that depreciation that is now accelerated can be used to net against your income that comes from the rental property, making a tax-free source of rental income that uh, when you get through that, say five years or so of cost-segregated uh, depreciation, you can roll that into a 1035 exchange um, and start the process all over again. And Brad, you're right. So you you the, the advantage is that if you're willing to spend some money up front, get that accelerated depreciation, you've created a tax-free income stream from your rental properties. The disadvantage is after 10 years, you've got a 1031 and get a new portfolio, wash, rinse, and repeat. Let's bang out a couple of more of these, Brad. Let's say that there's a large age difference between someone that has a um, a 401k with a lot of company stock in it, low-cost basis company stock in there. Brad, is there a strategy that you can save a lot of taxes on? Yeah, what, what you're looking at is a common issue that people encounter. I know there's several corporations up in the Seattle area that, that our firms worked with that uh, part of their compensation package um, includes company stock being put into a tax-deferred 401k. And this these accounts can, especially for senior execs, it can become a pretty large portion of their total pay. Now, in the moment, it's nice because the funds, you know, the, the stock gets added to the account and it's tax deferred. But when you retire and certainly when you get to required minimum distribution age, so 73, um, well, then you're forced to take distributions from that account and you have to sell the asset and distribute it. And it is uh, fully taxed as regular ordinary income. Um, but with uh, some unique tax laws that apply to uh, company granted stock, you can actually do a one-time lump distribution from that 401k plan and only pay capital gains rates, effectively cutting the taxability of that uh, of those stock grants uh, in half. And so it's a very useful one when people have had a, a, a good portion of their compensation in the form of company stock, but that's all tax deferred. Uh, you get this one-time opportunity for a lump sum distribution where you only pay capital gains. Brad, we're rattling off these strategies pretty quick. Let's take a couple minutes to cover one more. Um, here, you've got a spouse with a 401k. There's a 10-year age difference between one spouse and the other. Do you see an opportunity to save some taxes? Yeah, it goes back to the, the Roth conversion strategy. The more time you have ahead of you for converting assets from an IRA to a Roth IRA, the better off you are. You know, It's a completely different story if someone's 70 and need to start converting assets to a Roth versus if they're 59. Um, and what you're referring to there is a unique aspect of how uh, retirement assets are treated uh, with spousal relationships. So you can get a, a, a direct order from the uh, from the state or from a, a court to divide up the assets. So you can divide up a tax-deferred account um, and give half of it to the spouse. Now, what's super important in this case is that there has to be an age gap. So in some scenarios, Clients will have a, you know, a ten or fifteen year age gap or more, and uh, one of the spouses will be getting closer to their required minimum distribution age, and at that stage they can just stick with what their advisor is telling them to do, which is just take these RMDs, or 
they can create more distance between when they have to take their full RMDs by renaming half of their IRA in the name of their spouse that's uh, more than 10 years younger than they are. Uh, and in doing that, they, again, just create more distance between uh, when that second spouse or when they would have to take RMDs if it remained in the uh, ownership of the current owner, but then you get it to the spouse that is uh, younger and now they have 10, 15 years to get that fully converted to a Roth IRA if they wanted to. So it's a, you can get it a legal permission to move that to the younger spouse. Uh, and in some cases that can be very favorable. So at the end of the day, there are a lot of options available for you in the tax planning world, the estate planning world that you may not even be aware of. This is what Decker Retirement's all about, helping you come up with some options and then they give you those options and then you make the decision because at the end of the day, you can look at Brian and Brad as like coaches for you. Uh, they're their Sherpa, right? Your guide. But all the tools that they use would be like your players. You're the owner though. It's your retirement. So they are here to help guide you along the way. At the end of the day though, it's your retirement. It's your decision. But I would think the better educated you are, the more options you have available, the better choices you can make. And the, the idea is very simple. Give the team a call. Let's find out if they can help. 833-707-3030 is the number again. There's no cost for this. Uh, the team at Decker Retirement would love to help. They just don't know if they can until you reach out. 833-707-3030. Great time to call them right now. If they don't answer, leave a message. I'll get back to you on Monday. 833-707-3030. Headed to our final segment of today's Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Brad Geddes of Decker Retirement Planning. Stay with us. We all want the freedom to do the things that make us happy, especially in retirement. To get help with laying the foundation for that freedom, call 833-707-2020 to have a chat with Brian. What if you ordered a pizza, but when you opened the box, a couple of pieces were missing? That would be upsetting, right? Now, think about how much you believe you've saved for retirement. Do you still owe taxes on that money? Brian Decker and his team at Decker Retirement Planning understand the importance of tax planning and can help you reduce the impact that Uncle Sam has on your retirement. Give them a call today to start working on your retirement tax plan at 833-707-3030. Now may be a great time to lower your future tax liability. Create a retirement plan today so that you can get as many slices of your retirement pie as possible. Give Brian Decker a call at 833-707-3030 and schedule a visit. That's 833-707-3030. Firm offers insurance services and may not give tax advice. Security and insurance services offered by Decker Retirement Planning, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. You're listening to Safer Retirement Radio. If you like what you hear on today's show or have questions, drop by DeckerRetirementPlanning.com or call 833-707-3030 to talk to Brian. Welcome back to Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Brad Geddes of Decker Retirement Planning. You can always go to the website to find out more. Great website, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, but it's also a great website for you. Under the heading of Safer Retirement Education, there are 12 different things you can download, no cost to you, including Brian's book on retirement, The Decker Approach. There's also uh, the book, The Three Principles of Retirement Book. Just a lot of information that is there for your information. There's no cost to you. you just download what you want. Uh, then you have questions, maybe call the team, 833-707-3030, 833-707-3030. I'm Mark Elliott. Glad you're with us today. We're talking tax and estate planning strategies. Brian, you're down to your final segment. Where are you headed? 
Let's put another arrow in the quiver for our listeners. Um, let's say you've got a tax spike in one year, Brad. Let's say you you got a huge bonus, you got a big payout somehow, maybe a large capital gain, and you need an, a one-time offset. Do you have a strategy for someone that's charitably inclined that might provide a good offset? Yeah, so the scenario you're talking about here is actually pretty common for folks. And and in particular, some of my earlier conversations, try to figure out if someone is already, as you said, charitably inclined, are they already charitably oriented with annual gifting? Um, you know, to things like things like tithing, 10% of people's checks sometimes goes directly to their church. Now, second thing I look for, if I find out that someone is already charitably oriented, is is there a more efficient way for them to continue doing that good, but perhaps get more benefit for them? Um, and in, in this case, what you can do is is front load multiple years of that gifting. Uh, and this is especially favorable for retirees who, in a lot of cases, haven't seen an itemized schedule in years uh, you know, for their, their taxes. They haven't been able to itemize because their home's paid off. Sometimes you know, their kids have all moved out, so they don't have any deductions there. Uh, they're not contributing to an IRA or to a Roth or a 401k anymore. So a lot of their itemized deduction starts to go away. They just have to take that that standard deduction. Um, so in this case, what you can do is front load multiple years of gifting to finally get to be able to file that Schedule A once again that sometimes they hadn't been able to do for years. Um, and so by front loading, you can put in uh, either straight cash um, into this particular account type um, and and get a write-off, or you can do even better from, from my book is, uh, again, going back to what we were saying in the beginning with the trust structure, but you can take low-cost basis holdings, low-cost basis stock or, or funds you've owned for a long time and add them into this type of a fund or this type of an account for um, multiple years of gifting um, to finally get you back to that itemized uh, filing that, that can lower your taxes in that year. It's, and it's good to offset a, a large income year from things like bonuses or even back to what we were saying before, to do a larger conversion of an IRA to a Roth IRA uh, to neutralize some of that tax impact. Good, good. Okay, let's wind up the program with something you can't get away, death and taxes. So let's talk about death tax. Um, some states have an estate tax, some don't. Uh, the feds have their uh, their federal estate tax level very high. That's expected to come down in January 1 of 2026. Um, but let's talk about avoiding the estate tax at the state and federal level. Some of the best and easiest uh, tax planning we do is where they live. A lot of people want to live where their kids and grandkids live. If that's not an anchor, um, then it doesn't make sense to stay in a high tax state if you don't need to. Um, as far as my wife, Diane and I, we would much rather live in a high tax state and be with our kids and grandkids than to not. So, but, so we get that, but Brad, half our clients, and we have really good, smart clients, half our clients say, you know, what, whatever the kids get net of the death tax, I don't care. I'm dead. I don't care. It's more than what I ever got. The other half feels that I would roll over in my grave knowing that after paying a lifetime of taxes, 
they take another hunk of flesh just because I died. No, that's not going to happen. I'm going to make sure of it. And for the latter group, Brad, tell them what options they have. Yeah. I mean, getting assets to to kids and grandkids is actually a pretty uh, common issue that I have to encounter out here. Now, in the state of California, uh, as odd as it is, we actually don't have an estate tax. So at the moment, my clients are benefiting from the fact that estate tax limits and the gift tax limits are so, so high. $25 million for married couples is a lot higher than uh, folks uh, than than what we've seen in the past. Now, I agree with you that there's definitely a reason to think that that might come down in the future and there's things you need to get get in front of that. But um, one of them is just getting away from the potential for um, any growth that an account has to be in a 40% silent partnership with the U.S. government. Now, it's one thing when I have clients that have you know, tens of millions of dollars. Um, I point out to them that with their current advisor, if the current advisor's number one job is to grow their portfolio, well, if they're not tackling the estate tax issues, that advisor's growth that is supposedly being achieved by the investment decisions that that person's making is cut by 40%. And that's a problem and they need to change that. And one of the strategies that you can use is once again with life insurance and some of the um, tax benefits that a, a life insurance death benefit has is you can guarantee a certain amount of your estate, but you can carve out that amount of uh, your estate, it, carve it out from the value in the future. So you can freeze the value of the amount that your kids or grandkids are going to get in the future, but they get... Um, uh, any of the growth that the account has from that point on is completely tax free. Uh, so there's there's when you're talking about passing on assets to kids and grandkids, you first want to start with is this amount needed in your lifetime or is it truly meant for them in the future? And if it's meant for them in the future, uh, is there a way to get away from paying forty percent of the growth that that account is going to have uh, over that time frame, say twenty thirty years? Is there a way to get that forty percent back to your kids and grandkids to make it more tax efficient and um, you can use things like uh, irrevocable trusts, you know, certain life insurance trusts that help uh, get those assets to kids completely tax-free down the road and remove it from your taxable estate. If it's done incorrectly, it actually increases your estate taxes, right? If it's not, if the asset's not held outside of your estate, and they go ahead and put this strategy in your estate, then you've got more estate funds to tax. Um, so this needs to be done by an expert. By someone who's done it before, who's done, you can do carefully and make sure it's done right. Um, let's spend a, a couple of minutes, Brad, on the estate documents because with high net worth clients, what we've seen, um, and we are we are fiduciaries to our clients. We're a math based firm. We are loyal to our clients. Um, we are not CPAs or attorneys. We can't give legal or tax advice. We can talk about strategies that we've used and seen and and can recommend, but we usually do this uh, with estate tax attorneys or your CPA. But Brad, I want to talk about um, the trust document, the distribution document. If you've got an estate worth 10 or even five plus million, and you've got two or three kids, to, to lump sum seven figures to kids, even adult kids, is... Um, something that we've seen and it's not turned out good in fact it's called it hap there there's a defined process that uh, so predictable it's it's got a label on it it's called the lottery effect three things happen one 
Um, the spouse divorces you, takes half and says, see you after a seven, eight figure distribution from an estate. Second, um, the person quits their job thinking they've got it made. And tragically, number three, they spend through the assets in five years and they're worse off than they were before the distribution. So what we recommend, Brad, and you, you, I'll, I'll hand the ball off to you, is a staggered distribution uh, instructions in the trust. In your trust, uh, something like one-third uh, is to be distributed of the residuary estate and the trust assets at date of death, one-third five years later, and the rest is distributed 10 years after date of death. Brad, talk to us about the importance of that, your opinion on that. So this is where there's a lot of customization that's required uh, for individual trust based on the people that would be inheriting it. Um, I have some clients whose kids never really uh, left the nest. You know, they, and, and if you were to give them a couple hundred thousand dollar payday, uh, worse, a couple million dollar payday, then like you said, they could go and uh, spend that in, in uh, you know, a couple of years. And I, I usually joke with my clients that, you know, they know and I know that million dollars might sound like a lot of money, but if you map that out over 30 or 40 years of, uh, of, of active spending, then sometimes that's not the infinite amount that a lot of people think it is. And especially when the younger generation uh, doesn't have to earn that money, uh, it, it can cause, like you said, that that lottery effect that is so tragic. So you do need to be pretty cautious about how you do those distributions. And yeah, a good, good way to get around that lottery effect is to do it in, in stages, uh, just, just like you said, uh, not give it all at once to avoid that lottery effect, uh, really ruining the life of the beneficiary, doing the opposite of what you were hoping to have accomplished. Okay. And then um, we make the trust document, the distribution document. A lot of people think that they, uh, they distribute assets from the will but a properly drafted will pours into the trust. So for example, my wife, Diane, our wills say, uh, not Brian gives his residuary estate to his beloved wife, Diane. Um, it says that Brian gives his residuary estate to the Brian and Diane Decker Revocable Family Living Trust. That way that makes the trust the distribution document. You don't want the will to be the distribution document because it's the trust that helps you on probate costs. The will does not. By the way, 85% of trusts are created and totally unfunded. What a tragedy. So there, there's a lot of probate costs that are unnecessarily paid around the country. Mark, with your estate, how many trusts and, and, and people do you have working to make sure that you're passing your large estate to your beneficiaries without tax? Yeah, I don't think I really need a lot of guidance there. I don't really have much of an estate, but I think most of the people listening probably do. And that's what I think what is cool about your show. You and, and Brad today, you covered a lot of ground, a lot of strategies, tax planning, estate planning strategies. And I think a lot of the times when you're bringing up things that I'd never heard of, I don't even know what you're talking about. So I think there's some great opportunity for people if they're, they heard something like, I'd love to hear, hear, learn more about that. Does that make sense for me? I don't really know. Uh, whether it's the Roth world, or any of those strategies that Brian and Brad were talking about today, it's simple. Just give the team a call. They're here to help you. That's the idea. Decker Retirement Planning is all about their clients. And whether you're single, widowed, divorced, um, married couple, everybody's situation is unique to them, and that's how the team looks at it. They're here to help. 833-707-3030 is the number again. No cost, no obligation, 833-707-3030. 
3030. Brad, Brian, thanks for all the information. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Have a great week. Security and insurance services offered by Decker Retirement Planning, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. Decker Retirement Planning is not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. That accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Decker Retirement Planning. This radio show is a paid placement.